Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Locked On ACC for Monday, April 6, 2020, the 4,197th day of 2020. I'm Brian Wilmer. I'm from FB Schedules and College Hoops Digest. I'm your host. Today, another tournament throwback edition, just six more of these remaining. So if there's another year that you want covered in the final five after today, let us know. You can tweet us. We are at LockedOnACC. You can also email the show, LockedOnACC at gmail.com. You can tweet me individually. I am at Sports Matters. I would love to hear from you. Again, we have five more of these left before we wrap up the tournament throwback editions for the entire year. Actually, now that I say that, one of them is spoken for. So there are four left. If there are any more tournament throwbacks you want us to do here on the program, we'd love to hear from you. Now that I've said all that, it's time for another tournament throwback. So let's go ahead, jump in, put on our seatbelts, and take a ride. Today, we travel back in time to 1992, a special year for your humble correspondent and a special year for college basketball. Before we get to that, though, take a look around the world in 1992, see what was going on. January 11th, Paul Simon becomes the first major artist to tour South Africa after the cultural boycott ends. You'll recall uh, apartheid and various other reasons why people would not go to South Africa and play shows there. January 26th, Boris Yeltsin announces that Russia will stop targeting the United States and her allies with nuclear weapons. George H.W. Bush, the president at the time of the United States, announces that the United States will stop doing that toward Russia as well, which leads us to February 1st, where Bush and Yeltsin meet at Camp David and formally declare the Cold War over. February 8th, the 1992 Winter Olympics open in Alberville, France, February 17th, a Milwaukee, Wisconsin court sentences serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer to life in prison. April 29th, a date that people remember for the event that happened, or for the sublime song about it, or both. The acquittal of four police officers in the Rodney King beating criminal trial triggers massive rioting in Los Angeles. The riots would go on for six days, 63 people killed, $1 billion plus in damages, before the military finally restores order in Los Angeles. May 7th, the Space Shuttle Endeavor makes its maiden flight. It replaces the Space Shuttle Challenger. May 18th, the most recent amendment to the United States Constitution is enacted. Can you think about what that amendment might have been? I'll give you one second because this is a podcast and we don't like that error. So one second to think about what that most recent amendment was. And time. The 27th Amendment to the United States Constitution prohibits any law that increases or decreases the salary of members of Congress from taking effect until the start of the next set of terms for the Office of Representatives. It is the most recent to be adopted, but one of the first proposed, and just like everything in Washington, it took 202 years, 7 months, and 10 days to be ratified. July 9th, Bill Clinton announces his selection of Al Gore as his running mate in the 1992 U.S. presidential election. He accepted the Democratic Party nomination for president exactly one week later. July 25th through August 9th, the 1992 Summer Olympics 
take place in Barcelona, Spain. August 24th through 28th, Hurricane Andrew hits South Florida and Louisiana, then finally dissolves essentially over the Tennessee Valley. 23 people are killed in the aftermath of that storm. October 1st, Turner Broadcasting System launches Cartoon Network, and it's now become completely unrecognizable from what it was in 1992. October 3rd, after performing a song protesting alleged child abuse by the Catholic Church, Sinead O'Connor tears up a photo of Pope John Paul on Saturday Night Live, which causes all hell to break loose, essentially. That's still probably around on YouTube somewhere if you want to see what happened. I, I guess. November 3rd, Bill Clinton defeats George H.W. Bush and Ross Perot in the 1992 presidential election and becomes the 42nd president of the United States of America. Burt's in 1992. January 3rd, Doug McDermott the basketball player. January 19th, Sean Johnson, Olympic gold medal gymnast, and Mac Miller, the rapper slash singer who left us way too early. March 23rd, Kyrie Irving. April 26th, Aaron Judge. May 4th, Victor Oladipo. May 19th, Sam Smith, the British R&B singer. May 20th, Enos Cantor, former Kentucky star. May 30th, Harrison Barnes, UNC legend. June 6th, DeAndre Hopkins, former Clemson wide receiver. June 10th, Kate Upton. July 22nd, Selena Gomez. August 1st, Austin Rivers, former Duke star. August 11th, Tommy Lauren, one of the Fox America or whatever that network is, hosts. August 18th, Frances Cobain, the daughter of Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love. She would be about a year and a half old when her father ended his life. That took place... 26 years ago over this past weekend, which is hard to fathom. August 20th, Demi Lovato. September 16th, Nick Jonas. October 16th, Bryce Harper. And November 23rd, Miley Cyrus was born. February 10th, Alex Haley passed away, the author of Roots and a number of other things. March 9th, Menachem Begin, the former prime minister of Israel, passed. Sam Walton, the man behind Walmart, as you know, passed away April 5th. Sam Kinison, April 10th. Benny Hill, April 20th. The Benny Hillifier still lives on the net, though. Marlena Dietrich, May 6th. Robert Reed, the father on the Brady Bunch, May 12th. Lyle Alzado, the former Raider, passed away May 14th. Hard to believe it's been that long for him, too. Lawrence Welk, May 17th. Bill France Sr., the NASCAR founder, passed away June 7th. Eddie Kendricks, the legendary voice, passed away October 5th. Speaking of legendary voices, Red Barber passed away October 22nd, as did Cleavon Little and Chuck Connors, left us November 10th of 1992. Your top three songs of that year, Crisscross Jump was number three, and you can still hear it in basketball arenas all over the place whenever they finally open them back up. Sir Mix-a-Lot's Baby Got Back, number two, and Boys to Men's End of the Road, number one. End of the Road spent 13 weeks at number one on the Hot 100. It was then broken later in the year, nice record, by Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You. Boys to Men would then later have a song that spent 14 weeks at number one in 1994 and one that spent 16 weeks at number one between 1995 and 1996. The song End of the Road, by the way, from one of the best movies of 1992 and ever, Boomerang, which was not one of the top three films of 1992, believe it or not. Number three, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, made $358,994,850. The Bodyguard, 
which I thought was number one, 411,006,740, and the actual number one, Aladdin, 504,050,219. There you are, your pop culture, movies, music, et al. of 1992. Coming up next, we'll take a look at the ACC, the regular season, the tournament, the NCAA, and the Final Four. All that coming up in just a second, right here on Locked on ACC. Stay tuned. Time for more Locked on ACC. Thanks for hanging around. I'm Brian. I'm your host. We're talking about the year 1992 as we wind down the tournament throwback editions. Only four more left that you can claim if you have a year you want us to cover that was a great season in ACC and NCAA basketball history. Hit us up. Tweet us at LockedOnACC, email us LockedOnACC at gmail.com, or tweet me. I am at Sports Matters. Your 1992 standings in the ACC. Duke won the league 14-2 and in ACC play, 34-2 and overall. Florida State, 11-5, and 22-10. North Carolina, 9-7, and 23-10. Georgia Tech, 8-8, and 23-12. Virginia, 8-8, and 20-13. Wake Forest, 7-9, 17-12, and NC State leading up the three teams at the bottom, 6-10, 12-18, Maryland, 5-11, 14-15, and Clemson, 4-12, 14-14. The conference superlatives in 1992, Christian Leitner, player of the year, he averaged 21.5 a game. Bob Sura of Florida State, the rookie of the year, he averaged 12.3 a game. First team All-ACC, Bryant Stith of the NIT champion Virginia Cavaliers led the first team. Rodney Rogers of Wake Forest, Tom Gugliotta of NC State, Walt Williams of Maryland, and Christian Leitner on the first team All-ACC squad. Second team, Doug Edwards from Florida State, Sam Cassell of Florida State, Grant Hill and Bobby Hurley of Duke, and Hubert Davis of Carolina before he started getting colors for Roy Williams, which is, if you don't read Twitter, you should. And third team, Thomas Hill of Duke, George Lynch from Carolina, Kevin Thompson from NC State, John Barry of Georgia Tech, and Malcolm Mackey, also from Georgia Tech. Your all-ACC squads, your top 10 leading scorers in the ACC in 1992, Evers Burns of Maryland, number 10, 15.9 a game, Doug Edwards from Florida State, 17.1, John Barry from Georgia Tech, 17.2, Sam Cassell, 18.4, Rodney Rogers from Wake Forest, 20 and a half, Bryant Stith, 20.7 was number five, followed by Hubert Davis, 21.4, Christian Leitner, 21.5, Tom Gugliotta, 22.5, and, and Walt Williams of Maryland, 26.8 per game. Now on to the 1992 ACC tournament held in the Charlotte Coliseum. The 8-9 game, the first round game, Maryland, the 8-seed beats 9-seeded Clemson, 81-75. Duke then goes on to beat Maryland, 94-87 in the first quarterfinal. Georgia Tech over Virginia, 68-56 in the 4-5 game. Florida State handily beats NC State, 93-80 in the 2-7 contest. And North Carolina over Wake Forest, 80-65 in the 3-6 game. Duke-Georgia Tech in the first semifinal. Duke gets the win, 89-76, followed by third seed North Carolina, knocking out second seed Florida State, 80-76. Duke then goes on to thump North Carolina in the championship, 94-74, Christian Leitner, your most valuable player of that tournament. Mike Krzyzewski, his third ACC title, Duke its ninth. 
Duke onto the NCAA tournament, obviously, along with Florida State, North Carolina, Georgia Tech, and Wake Forest. As I mentioned, Virginia, the NIT winner in that year. Now onto the NCAA tournament. Tell you where that was played. The East, the first and second rounds, the Greensboro Coliseum, and the Centrum in Worcester, Massachusetts, the Midwest, UD Arena in Dayton, the Bradley Center in Milwaukee, the Southeast, the Omni in Atlanta, and Riverfront Coliseum in Cincinnati, and BSU Pavilion in Boise, and the ASU Activity Center in Tempe in the West. The regional semis and finals, the East, the Spectrum in Philadelphia, the Midwest, the Kemper Arena in Kansas City, Southeast Rupp Arena in Lexington, the West, the Pitt in Albuquerque, and the Final Four, the Metrodome in Minnesota. Something really spectacular happened in the Spectrum, by the way, and we'll talk about that here in a bit. Let's start in the East, where you had Duke, the number one overall seed in the East, going to Greensboro. Shocker. Duke faces current Big South squad Campbell. 82-56 Duke with the victory. Mark Mocknick with 29 of the Camels, 56 in that game. Duke would then go on to face Iowa, the nine seed, who beat eight seeded Texas, 98-92. Duke with the 75-62 victory there. They would go on to the regional semis in Philadelphia. Missouri beat West Virginia in the 5-12 game, 89-78. Seton Hall over LaSalle, 78-76. Denying LaSalle the opportunity to go back home to Philadelphia, essentially. Seton Hall, 88-71 winners over Missouri in the 4-5 game, sending Seton Hall to Philadelphia. Duke over the Pirates, 81-69, sending home Seton Hall. In the bottom of that bracket, future ACC squad, Syracuse, beats Princeton in the 6-11 game, 51-43. UMass over Fordham, 85-58. Charlotte falls to Iowa State, the 7 losing to the 10 there, 76-74 in Worcester. Kentucky over Old Dominion, 88-69 in the 2-15 game. UMass over Syracuse, 77-71. Kentucky over Iowa State, 106-98. Then Kentucky beats UMass, 87-77, setting up one of the most incredible games you will ever see. It was ranked recently in a list of games that I had seen in the NCAA tournament as the number two game overall. It was not selected as the number one game because it was not for the national championship, they said. Kentucky and Duke, the regional final in Philadelphia. An overtime tilt, it was tied at 93 at the end of regulation, and then toward the end of overtime, the shot happened. As that site said about this game, easily one of the greatest games of all time, undoubtedly number one if it was for the national championship, this contest had it all. Tempers flared, emotions were high, and both teams were at their best. The Wildcats shot 56.9% and lost. That's because of Grant Hill's perfect three-quarter court pass, and Christian Leitner's catch, dribble, and turnaround winning jump shot. As Vern Lundquist put it, and it was heard on CBS, Duke 104, Kentucky 103. Four Wildcats in double figures. Jamal Mashburn, 28 points, 10 boards. Sean Woods, 21. John Pelfrey, 16. And Dale Brown scored 18 in 30 minutes off the bench. Woods and Pelfrey went on to become Division I head coaches, by the way as did Travis Ford, who was on the bench in that game for Kentucky. Ford played seven minutes. Kentucky, as was mentioned, shot 56.9% from the field. They were 37 of 65, 12 of 22 from three, 54.5%, 17 of 23 from the line, 73.9%, and lost. Duke with five scores in double figures. Christian Leitner with 31 points. 
Bobby Hurley, 22 points, 10 assists behind him for a double-double. Thomas Hill, 19 points. Brian Davis, 13 points. And Grant Hill, 11 and 10 boards in 37 minutes off the bench. Duke, 65.4%, 34 of 52 from the field, 8 of 16 from 3, 50%, 28 of 34 from the line, 82.4%. And Duke knocks out Kentucky in a game you had to have seen to have believed. It's still out there. Go watch it. Trust me. It's been shown on every classic network there is, but go watch it. So Duke onto the Final Four. The Midwest features only one ACC school, so we'll tell you about them in just a second. Kansas beats Howard 167. Kansas the one seed in the Midwest in Dayton. Then Kansas falls to UTEP in round two. The ninth-seeded Miners had beaten Evansville 55-50 in round one, then beat Kansas 66-60 in the second round. UTEP would then last one more round before falling to Cincinnati. The fourth-seeded Bearcats beat UTEP 69-67 in Kansas City after Cincinnati had beaten Delaware and Michigan State to get there. Cincinnati onto the regional final in Kansas City. The ACC club that wound up in the bottom of that bracket, Georgia Tech. The Yellow Jackets, the seven seed, went to Milwaukee, played Houston, beat them 65-60, then played USC in a 7-2 game. Georgia Tech beat them 79-78 in another crazy game, which, by the way, I can't recommend strongly enough that you go watch. Go find that game. It's out there. Just look for James Forrest. That'll tell you pretty much all you need to know. And then Georgia Tech, the regional semis, falls to six-seed Memphis, 83-79. So down go the Jackets. Memphis, in the overtime win, shoots 45.5%, 30 of 66. Six of 21 from three, 28.6%. Four scores in double figures for the Tigers. Anthony Hardaway, 24. Anthony Douglas, 16. Billy Smith, 15. Tony Madlock, 10. Georgia Tech, also with four double-figure scores. John Barry, 29 points. He led the Yellow Jackets. Forrest, 16 points, 11 boards. Malcolm Mackey, 13 points, 10 boards. Travis Best, 13 points. For Georgia Tech, who shot 46.2% from the field, 3 of 14 from 3. Ouch. So Memphis and Cincinnati playing for the regional title. Cincinnati, 88. Memphis, 57. So Cincinnati easily on to the Final Four. We have Duke and Cincinnati in the Final Four in 1992. We need two more participants. We'll get those for you coming up next. You're listening to Locked on ACC. More in a minute. This is Locked on ACC. We continue in 1992. I'm Brian Wilmer. We're taking a tournament throwback edition. Now on to the Southeast. Ohio State, the number one seed, sent to Cincinnati, Ohio. They face Mississippi Valley State, beat them 83-56. The Buckeyes then go on to face ninth-seeded UConn. UConn had beaten Nebraska in round one. Ohio State over UConn by 23-78-55. The ACC squad we had in this region, North Carolina sent to Cincinnati, the number four seed. They faced Miami of Ohio, who did not have far to travel, going to Cincinnati. 68-63, the Tar Heels beat the Red Hawks. They would then go on to face Alabama, 64-55 the final there, as Carolina beats the Crimson Tide. Alabama had beaten Stanford in round one to get to that game. Ohio State with the 80-73 victory over the Tar Heels. Ohio State shoots 42.7% from the field. Four Buckeyes in doubles. Lawrence Funderburk, 21. Jim Jackson, 18. 
Chris Gent, 15. Wow, there's some names here. And Jamie Skelton with 14 off the bench in 19 minutes for the Buckeyes. Carolina shoots 47.4% from the field, but just one for eight from three. Yikes. Two Tar Heels in doubles, Hubert Davis and Eric Montross with 21 apiece. Montross also hauled in 12 boards. George Lynch, a point shy of a double-double. He had nine points, 10 boards for Carolina. So Carolina, the four seed, knocked out of the tournament by top-seeded Ohio State. So Ohio State threw to the regional final. They would face six-seed Michigan. The Wolverines won 73-66 over Temple, the 6-11 game in the first round. They then went on to beat East Tennessee State. The Mr. Jennings clubs of the Buccaneers beat Arizona in the first round, 87-80. Michigan 102, East Tennessee 90 to knock them out. Oklahoma State, the two-seed, was next for Michigan. Michigan won 75-72, setting up the All-Big Ten regional final in Lexington, the battle of two teams that hate each other. And six-seed Michigan bounces top-seed Ohio State to go to the Final Four. Michigan on to the 1992 Final Four. So we have three clubs already in, and we just need one more. We had two ACC schools in the West region, the first one being Wake Forest, the number nine seed. They would battle to play the top-seeded UCLA Bruins, who won 73-53 over Robert Morris in round one. Wake Forest would battle Louisville for the right to play them, so a current ACC school and a future ACC school facing off in round one in Tempe. Louisville with the easy win, 81-58 over the Demon Deacons, sending home Wake Forest. Wake Forest just 36.7% from the field, 22 of 60. They were 5 of 19 from three, where the Deeks just three Wake Forest scorers in double figures. Rodney Rogers, 21. Chris King, 15. Trelawney Owens, 13 for Wake Forest. Tough day for them. Four Cardinals in double figures. Dwayne Morton with 20, Everett Sullivan with 17, and Cornelius Holden and James Brewer with 12 apiece. Louisville shot 56% from the field, 28 of 50, 6 of 13 from 3, 46.2%, and 19 of 23, 82.6% from the line. So one of the ACC participants is bounced. UCLA would then go on to beat Louisville 85-69 and would go to the regional semis in Albuquerque. They didn't get the participant alongside them that they probably expected, though. New Mexico State won the 12-5 game, 81-73 over DePaul. Then Louisiana won the 13-4 game, 87-83 over Oklahoma, setting up New Mexico State and Louisiana in a round two matchup in Tempe. New Mexico State with the win there. So they would go on to Albuquerque, a fairly short trip for the Aggies. They would face UCLA, where UCLA won 85-78. So an outstanding season for New Mexico State comes to an end. Then the other ACC school who was in this bracket went to Boise. That would be third-seeded Florida State. They beat Montana 78-68 in round one, then faced Georgetown, who beat South Florida in round two. Florida State 78-68 victors over Georgetown, setting up a matchup between Florida State and Indiana in the regional semi in Albuquerque. The Hoosiers had beaten Eastern Illinois, the 15 seed, and LSU, the 7 seed, to get there. Indiana then finishes off Florida State 85-74 in Albuquerque, bringing to a close the season for the Seminoles. Indiana 50% from the field, 27 of 54, 6 of 18 from 3, 33.3%, 73.5% from the line, 25 of 34. Four Hoosiers in doubles, 
Eric Anderson with 24 off the bench. Greg Graham, 19 off the bench. Calvert Chaney with 17 points and 11 boards. And Damon Bailey with 10 points for Indiana. Three Seminoles in doubles. Doug Edwards with 20. Sam Cassell, 19. And Chuck Graham, 14 for Florida State, who shot 45.2% from the field, 34.8 from three, 8 of 23 from distance, and 10 of 17 from the line for 58.8%. Down goes Florida State. So we have a regional final in the west of UCLA and Indiana. Indiana just works over UCLA. 106-79 in Albuquerque. Indiana onto the final four. So the final four... Shapes up with a 1, a 2, a 4, and a 6. Duke faces that 2 seed in Indiana in Minneapolis, wins 81-78. They then get to face the Michigan Wolverines, who beat Cincinnati 76-72 in a 6-4 matchup, setting up Duke-Michigan for the national title. And Duke easily gets that victory, 71-51 for the Blue Devils. Michigan held to just 37.9% from the field, 1 of 11 from 3 for Michigan. They were just 22 of 58 from the floor overall, and 6 of 12 from the line. Two Wolverines in doubles. Chris Weber, 14 points, 11 boards. Jalen Rose, 11 points for Michigan. Tough run for the Fab Five. Everybody thought the Fab Five was set up for multiple national championships. Didn't quite work out that way. For Duke... Three of their scorers ended up in double figures. Christian Leitner, 19 points. Grant Hill, 18 points, 10 boards. Thomas Hill, 16 points for the Blue Devils, who were 25 of 57 from the field, 43.9%, 4 of 9 from 3, 44.4%, and 17 of 22 from the line, 77.3%. So Duke, your 1992 national champion, their second title overall, the second for Coach K. You'll also recall later, Michigan vacated that appearance because of NCAA violations. So the game happened, but didn't happen. You know how confusing those things get. But Duke, with the easy victory, their second national title overall, and it comes in 1992. Your all-tournament teams, Bobby Hurley of Duke, Chris Weber of Michigan, Christian Leitner of Duke, Grant Hill of Duke, and Jalen Rose of Michigan, your ACC representatives on all tournament teams in regionals. Leitner and Hurley from Duke on the all-East region team. John Berry of Georgia Tech on the all-Midwest team. And Eric Montross of North Carolina on the all-Southeast team. Thus bringing to a close the 1992 season in the ACC, the NCAA, and the Final Four one of the more legendary seasons in ACC lore, primarily for the shot. And again, if you haven't seen that game, if you haven't been seeing CBS Sports Network or any of the number of outlets that have been running it, you'll find it on YouTube. It is definitely a must-see thing. I still have no idea how in the world Leitner hit that shot. There were 2.1 seconds on the clock when they threw the ball three quarters of the court. Leitner caught it, dribbled, turned around and hit it all in 2.1 seconds. I have no idea how it happened. I, I went back and watched it on slow motion. Still couldn't figure it out. So congratulations to Duke and to Coach K for their second national titles, respectively. And that'll wrap up today's program. As I said, only four more tournament throwbacks available for you to claim a year. So if there's a certain year you want us to cover as we wind down this series, please let us know. Tweet us at LockedOnACC. You can also email us LockedOnACC at gmail.com or tweet me. I am at Sports Matters. 
Now that you've heard this program, we ask first that you come back and join us on Wednesday as we bring you another episode. We also ask that you like, rate, follow, share, and subscribe. We can use all the help we can get. And while you have your smart speaker on, tell it to play Locked On Big Ten or Locked On SEC, our fellow conference shows with our buddies Ben Stevens and Blake Lovell. They support us. We ask that you support them. And until Wednesday, this has been Locked On ACC. I'm Brian Wilmer. Thanks for joining us. We'll have another tournament throwback edition coming up for you Wednesday. Until then, take care. Be well. We'll see you Wednesday.